Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the first show of 2022 for If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. And of course, I am your host, Archie Mitchell, and with me as always is my co-host, my brother from another mother, Mark Brew. What's up, Mark? What's up, brother? Happy New Year New Year to you and to all of our listeners. A uh, lot going on over the last couple of weeks, and we're going to get into that on this coming week's show uh, uh, with what went on at... Uh, Day one, New Year's Evil, of course, what went on with uh, AEW and uh, the, the whole move to TBS. That will all be taken care of in the following week's show. But this show is a best of 2021 show. And Mark and I will be sitting here and talking with you fine people about the best superstar, top five superstars of the year. As well as, hold on one second. Yes, top five moments of the year. And the top five matches of the year. Now, I shouldn't have said superstars, though, Mark, because not all wrestlers like to be called superstars. Oh, what do they want to be called, then? Wrestlers. Well, I mean, but then yeah. again, you have, you have them drawing the line between sports entertainment and what's, what's a professional wrestler and all that, so. Exactly, exactly. But I think as, we, as we've come to know it, the guys on, on Wednesday night on AEW like to be called wrestlers, where everybody else on Monday, Tuesday, and Friday like to be called super. Well, they have to be called superstars because Vince McMahon likes them to be called superstars. Yeah, because sports entertainers just sounds too corny. <laughs> right, right. I'm the sports entertainment champion. What? <laughs> mean it doesn't have that well? ring to it. Yeah, what does that mean? You dance and sing well? No, no, no. I do other stuff too. <laughs> well, uh, the Miz would definitely be one of those then, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> but I have to say, the Miz lately has been killing it. Him and Edge's yes, interaction has been great, and uh, it, it goes to show that if you put him with a equal uh, superstar or someone better than him, you know, who's a, a legend, he can deliver. So. Yes, indeed. And All I right. mean, he pulled off when when he pulled off that uh, cashing in on Drew McIntyre with the whole Lashley thing. It really made made you not like him even that much more. Like you already, right. Thought, right? How can I hate this guy any more than I already do? And then he did that, and he like you cheap bastard, <laughs> right? Right? Like for all that for a two week title reign? Like damn, man! Thought, <laughs> thought you were better than that. They gave him the Otis treatment. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the karma of it. You stole Otis's briefcase. You made him lose his woman. You made him lose his best friend. Here's a two-week title reign for your ass. Right. So, all right, Mark, where would you like to start tonight? Do you want to start with the top five matches, top five wrestlers, or top five moments of 2021? I think it would be probably <clears throat> best to start with the matches. All right. Sounds good. Why don't you lead us off with your first pick for top five match of the year? Um, at number five, I got Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks at WrestleMania. Tremendous match. Both women killed it. I agree. I agree. Uh, they, they recently repaid, played back the beginning of that match when you see both of their faces up close and personal and they're both crying. And the you really got to go back and look at that and go, wow. 
It's not just that they're the first women to actually be main eventing WrestleMania as a singles match. They're the first African-American women to be main eventing WrestleMania, period. They're the first women to be, you know, singles because Charlotte and Becky and Ronda were a triple threat match. But then also they killed it for 30 minutes. Yes, they did. You know what I mean? They didn't, you know. That match was tremendous. And... Bianca whipping her with that hair and mm-hmm. actually, you know, busting busting the skin and all right there, and they just left it all out there. Yes. Like they they said, we made it, we made it here. We're gonna leave it all in this ring, and they and they did. They did, they did, and the storyline leading up to that, where it started as, oh, we're friends, we're buddies, we get along. To no, wait, I'm the main eventer. You're the rookie. It kind of was something new. It was fresh. It wasn't what we've right. been used to, you know. So it was something it that we that right. we get time and right. It, it was a breath of fresh air, and then I hate that I had to put this at number five. But this year in wrestling, there were so many good matches that it was it was hard to pick just five. I I agree. It was it was, uh, but Shasha and Bianca definitely delivered. And Bianca delivered as champion. I don't care. I mean, there's a few people who said, well, WWE robbed her of her title reign because she didn't do a good job. No, she did a good job. With what she had to work with, having to deal with Charlotte ping-ponging between both shows and Bailey getting injured, and now who else is there for her to wrestle? She did a fantastic job. Yes, indeed. And it sucks that Becky had to come back the way that she did, but Bianca is still in a, a spot where she can be a champion again. Oh, yeah. You know, as long as long as they stop the damn dewdrop storyline, she could very <laughs> easily, she could very easily be a, a world champion very very soon. Now, I know, now I know that has to be on your top five list: Bianca Belair and dewdrop. <laughs> dewdrop is in my number one wrestler of the year. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, on uh, my my number five of um, top five matches for the year twenty twenty one. Is Thunder Rosa versus Britt Baker in the lights out match that they had at the beginning of the year? That was brutal. Um, yeah, it, 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 you know, uh, they they it, it was lights out because AEW didn't want to sanction it. I know companies say that they're really sanctioned and they're not going to let them kill each other. But these two women looked like they were looking to kill each other. There was no love in this match. There was no. It was all hatred and the storyline that they had brimming. That they just kept trying to one up one another, left left us wanting more, even once they got bloodied and beaten and tired. You know what right. I mean? So, and it goes to show that these two women had a great match because both are still at the top of the card a year later. Britt is the champion, and Thunder Rosa is, is was one of the semifinalists for the TBS title. Right. And so, I, like, I haven't seen hardly any bad matches out of either one of those two. Nope. Nope. And that's the kind of caliber of talent you want to have on your roster. I agree. I agree. You need two top women to sit at the the top and then trickle down and bring others up as they're going to come up. And whether that means helping Jade Cargill and Nyla Rose not to hurt anybody, that's great. Or whether it means, uh, giving Taya Conte, Anna Jay, and all the rest of these younger women who are still coming up great matches, so be it. That's what they've been doing. You know? Right. And it's yeah. a breath of fresh air to see Mercedes Martinez there, too. 
It is. It is. And because her and Thunder have a great history over the last couple of years in every company they worked for. Yeah, and it'll also be interesting to see her actually, like, not to say she hasn't shined elsewhere, but right. it, AEW just gives her that platform to where she could really, you know, break out. Right, right. Well, see, and this is nothing against the WWE, but we all know the WWE hands these wrestlers and women, men and women, a script and tells them, okay, now go practice. Right. You'll do what you got to do to practice. Read your words and get your moves down. It seems to me that AEW brings these two people together, like a Thunder Rosa and a Britt Baker, and say, okay, now go out there and do what you want. But make sure you both are on the same page with each other. Don't kill each other. Right. And then they go out there and they highlight one another and they do their best and they do that, you know, and that's why we're getting such quality matches out of them because it's they're not shackled to one kind of match or one kind of script. It's go ahead. If you want to bleed, bleed. You want to throw one another off the top rope? Go ahead. Just show us something. And they are. Right. So, And, I mean, the, that's not necessarily a bad thing when you can no. leave, leave the content of the match right. up to the performers because then they're going to try to get the most out of it to get that pop from the fans. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. All right. Your second match, Mark. Number four, I have Walter versus Ilza Dragunov from NXT TakeOver 36. Ooh, that man. was one of the most brutal matches I have seen all year. My chest hurts from that match. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they set a record for <laughs> chops and just straight bludgeoning of your opponent in this match. You know what makes that match worse is when they put it into slow motion and you see Walter's hand actually cave in his chest right. as he lands, and then the hand comes off, but the skin is still stuck inside the, the kid's <laughs> chest. It's like, damn! You know? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to sell that. Right. There is no selling. It, it hurt. I'm done. Okay, I'm right. done. Need me up a little more, but let me get, let me get back up. No, and those two... They were, I don't, I don't think I've seen a better physical match since those two. You know, yeah, Roman Reigns has been doing a great, a great, great job with Brock. You know, and you got other guys like uh, Bron, Bron, uh, Bron Breaker and Tommaso Ciampa. But those Walter and Dragunov, it was almost like they signed a pact before they went out there and said, "Look, we're not going to kill each other, but we're going to come pretty damn close." Right, and as long as you trust me, we'll do okay. <laughs> and and it was more along to me. It was like along the lines of, we're gonna give these people something to talk about, right? And they did. We're, we're gonna show them why, you know, they're we're gonna show them why we're top tier talent from NXT UK, right, right. And, and it got the fans wanting them more in the United States, but right? Walter doesn't want to be in the United States that much, and. Dragonoff doesn't have a visa that will allow him to stay here that long. So it's kind of like you gave us this, but now you have to take it away. And but okay, let's watch NXT UK and see what's going on there. You exactly. know what I mean? So it draws more people know. to the brand. Right. Right. Um, all I could say is if there was anybody that had to dethrone Walter after that year and a half, two year plus reign as NXT UK champion, Dragonoff was the only one because he wrestled a lot of great guys on that roster, and he wrestled Dunn. He wrestled uh, uh, Champa in the States and things like that. But 
Dragunov was the only one who went toe-to-toe with him every time they fought. I'll say this. I had to fight with myself not to put this as number one on my list. I understand. It's hard. That's a, that's a hard one not to put it at number one. I agree. I agree. But it's definitely a match that 10 years from now, if the UK title is still around and you see two guys having a, a match like this, similar, it's not going to be obviously Walter Dragunov, but whoever it might be, you're going to recount. Dude, you remember when Walter and Dragunov put their hands through each other's chest and left each other red, a red crimson mess? You know what I mean? It's it's you're always gonna hark back to that match, and it was great psychology of wrestling. Like it, when when you t- tell a story through a match like this, and the fans are loving every second of it. Oh yeah, doing your job as a professional wrestler. Definitely, definitely. And I, I the thing that it didn't bother me, but it was like wow is that Dragunov gave Walter such a great match. Walter hasn't had a match since. And now they're setting him up for the six-man tag with um, MSK and Riddle at New Year's Evil. But it's like Walter hasn't even said, I want a rematch for my title. You know what right. I mean? He's, he's, he, 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 I think even he realized, or in the storyline fact of it, he realized, what are we going to do to top this? Just short of one of us going into the grave is is, you know... I can't do any more against this guy that I already haven't done. So. Well, I mean, you you look back historically at matches like uh, the Battle of Atlanta with Buzz Sawyer and Tommy Rich and stuff like that. And, right, right. I mean, each time it was these guys were trying to up the last one. Right, right. And these two have done it twice already. They had their original match and now their rematch. So if they do go for a third, it's going to be a doozy. Yes. Which I kind of hope they do. I kind of hope they do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll definitely be better than some of the content we've been seeing from 2.0. Just saying. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Next up on my list, speaking of NXT, is Finn Balor versus Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT title. Uh, their first go-around match. They actually had three total, but their first match gave me a reminder of Ring of Honor, New Japan, it wasn't about the WWE style here. These two guys just took each other and said, let's do it our way. What are they going to do? Fire us? You know what <laughs> I mean? They, they, they ain't going to let us go after a match like this. And I, it was just short of Kyle not winning the title. I was like, okay, I understand he's not ready for it, but they got to give it to him somewhere. But right. Finn Balor reinventing, reinventing himself going back to NXT and then the matches he had with Kyle. Forget about the match he had with Adam Cole and with Carrying cross, those were great, but Kyle O'Reilly brought up brought out the best in Finn Balor when right. he got back to NXT. And those guys, even before WWE, were tremendous talent. Right. I mean, Balor, you know, did the whole Bullet Club thing as Prince Devitt, and right. Kyle O'Reilly was Ring of Honor. Right. So I mean. It's the, it, it wasn't just about, like you said, it wasn't just about the WWE style here. It was right. cultured wrestling. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that was one thing Balor was looking to do when he got back to NXT was not really to reinvent himself, but to get that badass attitude again and prove, you know, I'm not just the guy that came in and 
I put on funny makeup and things like that. I'm 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 Finn Balor, you know. I I've been doing this for twenty years almost. But now I'm looking at him back on the main roster again, and they've done it all over again to him. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> His fight is now over a selfie. You know what I mean? With, with Austin Theory. And it's like, wow, okay. But <clears throat> it is what it is. Kyle O'Reilly no longer with the company. Finn Balor back on the main roster. But it was good to see these two go at it the way that they did in NXT. And, um, you know, put forth such a great, uh, uh, great match as they did uh, against one another. What is number three on your list, sir? Number three on my list is Seth Rollins versus Edge in the Hell in a Cell at Crown Jewel 2021. Very, very good matchup. Those two literally were the definition of, holy shit, this is a car wreck. Right. Right. (laughs) But the whole feud was built like that. Oh, yes. That whole feud was was looking like that, you know. Right. Like Like the... Moments in the segments where, like, Rollins entered Edge's house and right. and then Edge channeled his inner brood and, and right. the bloodbath. I mean, that whole feud to me, it was captivating. Oh, I agree. I because agree. you have Edge who, you know, he, he was one of the, the top stars of his era. Right. And you have Rollins who is a top star in this era and just the, the meld of those two together was pure gold to me. I I agree. I agree. And it very similar in their uh, ways that they came up, you know, ultimate opportunist, uh, architect, uh, both guys, you know, even though they were heels when they won their world titles, it still meant something to them. Both right. won their first world titles by cashing in money in the bank. So you had a, Almost like a teacher versus student type of thing here, right. but but Edge wasn't looking to teach anything. Edge was looking to teach a mask. You know, and it, <laughs> no, he was going to teach something. He's going to teach Rollins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about it is, though, in in my opinion, this helped Edge more than the Orton feud. The Orton feud was yes. great. I'm not going to deny it, but. Their matches were a little more clunky and not so polished. They were just you wow. know, raw. Here with Rollins, he got that polished wrestling match that he was looking for. And then when we finally got the Hell in a Cell, it was like, okay, just let him go crazy. Let's see. And they didn't disappoint. No, they did not at all. That To me, that was the best match on, on that entire show. Show, right. Except for, like... A, clo- a very close second was the RK Bro versus AJ and Almost. Right, right. I mean, but other than that, like, they stole the show with that damn match, and it was like, what did the opener? <laughs> right, right. They didn't hesitate to put the, to put that match as the opener. Right, like. They knew we were going to get that, those fans in, in you know, up, up roaring, you know. Oh, yeah. They, uh, they, they were fantastic. And Edge now moved on to Miz. Rollins was involved in the world title match at day one. Uh, we won't get into what went on there. But uh, I'll be honest with you. The only problem I had with that whole world title match was how did you go from a singles to a triple threat to a fatal four-way to, oh, wait, by the way, we're going to a fatal five-way. At what point do we add the guy parking the car and 
the security guard up front. You know what I mean? Right. Or, or like a 15-man over-the-top rope battle royal. Right. Whoever's I mean, the last man in is going to win the belt. Yeah. Like, I mean, that was unfair to, to Seth Rollins, who won his title shot in a ladder match. It was unfair to Biggie because the, the championship – if Scott Steiner would have been writing the math for that match, I think he would have lost his mind because it kept skipping. It went from a 50-50 chance to a 33.3% chance to a 25% chance to oh, well, shit Brock is involved. You're not winning. I thought maybe he did have something to do with with the writing of that just because how functified it was. <laughs> you may be right. You may be right. Up next on my list, uh, giving a little love to Impact Wrestling, is Christian Cage versus Josh Alexander at Bound for Glory for the Impact title. Now, what I liked about this the most, Mark, was that for the Forbidden Door was open. Christian wow. was not an Impact wrestler, but he beat Kenny Omega, who went to the Forbidden Door, took the world title from Rich Juan. Christian won it in that feel-good moment, which was great for Christian. He needed that moment. I agree. And then him and Josh Alexander proceeded to have a wrestling match. There weren't a lot of high-flying moves here. It was just a, a knockdown, drag-out wrestling match between two Canadians who have respect for the business and, and love the fans. So everything they were doing in that ring was to complement each other, not just hurt one another. Right. And that's, that's the thing. Christian has really, really honed his craft. Like he has enough years in the business to where right. what he's doing is pretty much flawless. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and it's just, <clears throat> it's just great to see him elevated to the to the level that he should have been elevated before. Other than just being a tag team wrestler, right. I mean, I understand right. everybody has their spot on the card, but yeah, but come on, there's some people. He spent four years in TNA. He spent four years in TNA and won the NWA world title there twice. When he got back to WWF, Vince was supposed to see him for something other than a tag team or intercontinental title holder. You know what I mean? And, okay, you gave him the world title, but then you took it off of him less than 72 hours later to give it back to Orton. And then you made that whole BS storyline where, okay, he won by disqualification, but then he lost the title. It was like, really? You gave him two quick title runs? Just to be like, okay, here, we're going to get you off my back, you know. That's like giving your child a toy because it's crying for a minute and then taking it away when it calms down. That's not the way wrestling's supposed to be. No, it's typical WWE logic, though. (laughs) Right, right. But, you know, seeing Josh Alexander work his way up the ranks, given the the, uh, X Division title as they have that option in TNA and Impact to give the belt away and get a world title shot. And then, like I said, him going against Christian... There wasn't any trash talking. There wasn't any, hey, you're an old man and I'm a young stallion or anything like that. It wasn't trying to be psychological or anything. It was just two damn good wrestlers going out there and having a match. Yeah, it's, Josh, it's, like, it's like you're at the top of the mountain and I feel like my talent is good enough to be there as well. Let's do this. Right, right. And Josh put up an amazing match and won the title. And then Impact, being Impact, they jumped the shark. <laughs> and they went, yeah, now let's let Moose count, cash in his, whatever his title shot is. And totally pissed on whatever Josh Alexander did. 
But the match beforehand was still great. It is deserving to be on this countdown, in my opinion. <laughs> so, and that's not an Octomoose. He's a great champion, but you could have given Josh Alexander at least a month with the title, see what he did before you decided to jump start it and throw it on Moose. I don't get why they do that. The short the short title runs after that feel good moment. It just yeah. it's like a f you to the fans, right? Like oh, this is what you wanted. Well, here have it, but wait only for a minute. <laughs> yeah, we can't give you too much of what you want. You, you, didn't, you didn't pop. You didn't pop hard enough when it happened, so we don't think you really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> Next um, on your list, sir. <laughs> number two on my list is. MJF versus Darby Allen at full gear. We we spoke about this match when it happened. Yep. Can't say enough good things about it. <coughs> MJF, top tier talent. Darby Allen's the same. Tremendous young man. Does puts his body on the line damn near every match. Not having to sometimes, but he does it just for the fun factor right. of it. Right, and, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of people you want to watch, the people right. that's that's going to lay it all out there for you. Oh, definitely, definitely. The thing I loved about this match was the announcers putting over Darby and MJF as cornerstones of the company. Right. You know, you add in to Sammy Guevara and the other young hangman page, and, you know, yeah, we all know. Cody and, and, and Omega and the Bucks are EVPs. They help with the booking. But you've got young guys on these on these, this this in this company on this card. And whether they're opening the show or closing it, they're giving 110%. 30 minutes of back and forth nonstop wrestling to the point where the match ended on a headlock takedown. Now, I know that was the joke of it. MJF saying, I'll beat you with a headlock takedown. But the way it ended was like almost perfect poetry. Right. You know, it was like that smack in the face to the fans from MJF one more time where, see, I said I was going to do it and I did it. You know. <laughs> and, it, and it makes you dislike him that much more. MJF is w- one of the greatest heels. Modern day, of, yes. Of the, of the last six, seven years. Oh, yes, without a doubt. I haven't seen nobody come along that's doing it as good as him. I mean, you could argue the fact that right now Roman is, but to me, MJF. Roman, all right. Roman they, they jumps back Roman and forth. Right. They, ju- they shove Roman down your face as a, uh, down your throat as a face for so long. The heel shit right, kind of well, right, but there are certain times you will pop for Roman because he does something that actually is still likable, you know what right. I mean? Or he does something so tr- un- un- unbelievable, you're like, wow, I didn't know he could do that for a guy his size. So you're willing right. to cheer. With MJF, you're not cheering for anything except for hoping he gets his ass whipped. Right. You know what I mean? Because he just, you know, the people in the crowd, the dad is cheering against him because he just told his son, go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what kind of guy this is. He tells his fans after he writes their autographs, yeah, go fuck yourself. Have a nice day. It's like he wants you to hate him. He doesn't want right. you to have a feel-good moment with him. You know what I mean? So, And well, that's what I'm I mean, loving about him and Punk, too. So, Yeah, he he uh, he definitely, <laughs> definitely believes in keeping faith. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Whether it's on Twitter, in person, 
or out and about. You know, I love right. that his mom and dad keep it for him too. His mother showed up at the last Long Island show that said, "This is a picture of our son before he was an asshole," and I, it was like the best thing ever. Like, wow, <laughs> even your mom is putting you over as a heel. You know? That's great. So, no, but yeah, him and Darby, him and I would have liked them to have one more match. I'll be honest, something, yeah, not a blow off, but maybe something to add to their feud. Because we went a month and a half without them having a match, and they had the match. 30 minutes was great. But then we got left up in the air of, well, he beat him with the ring in a headlock takeover. I'm sure Darby is swooning to get one more match out of him. Right. So, you know. But I mean, maybe AEW's wishy-washy with some of their stuff, too. I mean, it's quick, just, yeah. It, it, yeah. We can't just, you know, just because WWE's been around for so long. We, oh, yeah, they, no. No, you know. no, they have their look. Every company has their faults and their 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 good greatness in their faults. Uh, you know, we just said it. Moose becoming Impact Champion totally ruined Josh Alexander's <laughs> moment. So, not every company puts out the best product every time. They right. do what they can and then they change it up. So, number four for me on my list is Trevor Murdoch versus Nick Aldis for the NWA World Heavyweight Title. This was such a throwback. To a Flair versus Harley Race or a Dusty versus Ric Flair. You know, Trevor Murdoch made you believe that he was every man. He wasn't just some guy looking for a title shot. He was the that 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 hard worker who the working class, right. Right, exactly. And then Aldous, I mean, let's face it, yeah, I know he's trying to do Ric Flair in the eighties, but he made it better in the twenty twenties because He's There's innovative. just something about him. Yeah, he innovated it the right way. It's not just, hey, look at my watch and my ring and my 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 tie. It's look at me. You know what I mean? I'm I'm the best thing going today. And he was. For right. two years with that title, he was the best world champion in the business. Right. <laughs> so and then to have Trevor fight back, fight back, fight back, and finally win the title, that was the moment NWA needed. Because just like when Flair beat Harley Race in the cage, or Dusty beat Flair, you know, at Starcade, you needed that ending moment to finally give Trevor his just due without any hokey bullshit DQ finish or, hey, we got to wait till next week to find out what happened. Right. You know. So, I just, I'm a, I'm a very big Nick Aldis fan. I'm happy he didn't go to any other company but the NWA because that's the perfect fit for him. And Trevor Murdoch has definitely grown on me. Yeah. I From mean, what he was, you know, in the WWF to now, it's it's like night and day. I mean, even back then, though, I, I enjoyed Caden Murdoch. It, oh, it yeah. Was, you know, everybody had their teams, and once, long, right. once in a while, one comes along, and you're like, there's greatness here. You might not right. be happening right now, but there's greatness. And I definitely, oh, definitely. I definitely thought that about Caden Murdoch. Oh yeah, they just they needed. There was so much going on in the WWF that time with tag teams that not yeah. everybody got a chance to shine. You know, Crime Time, them, uh, uh, La Resistance. There were so many different teams boiling over that they didn't know who they wanted the belts to be on. Right. You know. So, all right, my my good sir, number one or number five, your fifth pick, but your number one on your list. What is it? The number one on my list is the Lucha Bros. Versus Young Bucks at All Out. That match was the match of the year to me. That cage match. It was. 
high flying. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> um, they're going to kill each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, Something about those two teams bring out the best in each other. No yeah, matter what I, the match, no matter what's on at stake. That both of them are always looking to push the envelope. And when you have talent like that that wants to do nothing but improve and what can we do in this match to, to really get the people into it and right. make make it memorable, they did not disappoint in this match not whatsoever. One bit. Not one bit. I was um, that- from the start, I was on the edge of my seat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The minute they got in that ring. Matt and Jackson are always innovative in the ring, but the Lucha Brothers aren't just innovative. They take something and redo it. And you're like, fuck, why didn't anybody think to do that the first time? Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's not from the top of the cage. (laughs) Coming down on Phoenix. It's like, Jesus Christ, I've seen people jump off the cage a million times, but that looked sick. Right. You know, I mean... And it was all four guys. They were willing to put their bodies on the line. They were willing to do all they could. And just when you thought the match was over, they'd go five more minutes. Right. And you're like, okay, when's it going to end? I need this to end now. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> you're like, okay, okay, he's facing the win. He's facing the win. No, he can't go. Yeah. But, it, it, you know, again, two two teams <coughs> that were at the top all the rest of the teams that were down below now with the Lucha brothers having the belts and the young bucks off doing their thing again, they're helping because Lucha bros now can go and fight with Jurassic express young bucks could take on pride and powerful. There are so many different inklings to get now to a world tag title shot and it helps everybody in the division. Right. So the, the sickening thing though, was that, that, that thumbtack Jordan, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because at first when he pulled that out, I went, wow, that's a really nice sneaker. I'd like to own that. And then he showed the bottom one, fuck. Okay, we're about to kill somebody with a Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. They did. Repeatedly. Like, damn. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think you and I talked about it not that long ago, where... We got tired of people pulling out the black bag and then it being, and everybody goes, what is it? You're like, it's thumbtacks. Come on. What else is it going to be? It's been thumbtacks for 20 years. Right. We've seen Holy do it a million times. (laughs) Right. But with them doing it with like the knee pads and the shoes, it makes it different now that you're not expecting that. Right. You know what I mean? You're like, you're like, okay, they got a shoe. Okay. He's going to hit him in the head with shit. No, wait. He's going to stab him shit. Oh, God. You know, <laughs> we're, fixing the, we're fixing the witness of mauling on TV. right, right, right. And poor Pentagon, he's sitting there with his mask half ripped, he's bleeding profusely. He's like, Okay, I guess I'm about to get kicked in the face with a Jordan spike. Go ahead, you know. <laughs> well, last on my list, good sir, um, is a match that two guys that I absolutely love and we both talked about it when it happened. Me and Bobby CM Punk versus in. Yes, you and Bobby Anders <laughs> in the custom battle. Uh, CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston at full gear. The War of the Words was fantastic. Eddie Kingston said everything everybody ever wanted to say to CM Punk for the seven years he was gone. <laughs> but then yes. CM Punk became a heel for one night only. 
and did everything that he could to make people hate him, but then love him at the same time. And then they just had about the first minute Kingston knocked him out with a backfist, and I went shit. <laughs> I'm like, it's damn! It, it's his MM, it's his MMA career all over again. He got knocked out in a minute. What happened? <laughs> you know. And then they got back up and they had this great match, which wasn't a fight. Wasn't a match. It was a fight. Whenever they tried to do a wrestling move to one another, the other guy would punch the other one in the face. You know. Right. But in in my opinion, as a, a highlight for matches, Punk and Kingston for that three weeks, and then the match itself. Gave me exactly what I knew was going to happen, and I wanted it. Well, I mean, both of them you are know. great talent. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Kingston, Kingston, I just, I, I like watching him in the ring because he's that badass that everybody wants to see. He right. is to AEW what Stone Cold was to Raw during the Attitude Area. Right. If they let him off his chain and just let him do his thing week it in and week out, golden. it would be golden because when that man talks, you get, I, I maybe it's just me. I, I, maybe I'm dumb. I don't know. I get chills <laughs> with some of the things that this son of a bitch says, right? Because he's so real about the, you know, the. I used to live in my car, but you live in a mansion. I, 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 I wear the same boots I've been wearing since day one. Meanwhile, you got a closet filled with a hundred of those same boots. You know what I mean? He makes right. you understand. He's he's not just a wrestler who's wrestling. He fought and crawled to get to where he is. So, and that, that you know, it, it, that was the main highlight of AEW for me all year long, was Kingston getting feuds and, and moments with people, like he is now with Daniel Garcia, um, you know, that he's allowed to actually be himself. Yeah, and as long as he continues to get those opportunities, I think we're going to see nothing but great things out of him. I agree. I agree. So we've mentioned highlights and moments, so that'll take us to our next top five, the top five moments of 2021. Mark, go ahead and start us off. Number five on my list is Seth Rollins trespassing into Edge's home. This had shades of Austin Pillman. Yes. And Orton Triple H, too. Yes. I mean, it was, to me, it, it was like, no, the hell he did not. <laughs> right? Is he not, is he not in that man's refrigerator? What you, what you doing in the house? Come on, man. And, yeah, it, it to me, that was, that was great segment work on the, on the part of, if it was scripted by WWE, which, I mean, nine times out of ten it is, but... Just the way that Rollins went about it. Right. It was dastardly, and you just... You wanted to see Edge get revenge for that. You you, kind of wanted to see Edge pop up 30 minutes later in the house and just have him have a brawl. Right. You knew how far away they were from where Edge lived, so you were like, okay, (laughs) that can't happen. And then he's on the phone pleading with, with Beth, don't go home, don't go home, don't go home. You know, sits there. But then Seth said something during the segment that kind of like, at first I was like, okay, whatever. But it played off in my head. Who leaves their door unlocked in the middle of the night? And she wasn't home. So what did she just walk out the door and leave it wide open? I mean, I understand it's wrestling. We got to dispel belief. But 
she left her door unlocked while her and her daughters went somewhere. I mean, for all we know, that house wasn't even in Canada. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Could have been right down the street from the arena. <laughs> right. But the truth, like, I'm like, like he's sitting there going, who leaves their door open at night? Like, how trusting is your neighborhood? And I'm like, yeah, really? How trusting is the Edge's neighborhood that he didn't expect to find somebody in his home? Well, I mean, it might, it might be, you know, <laughs> desolate out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But, no, that was – it helped the feud progress because Edge was seething by the end of that, that promo. Right. And it was great content. It was. It was. I agree. I agree. Uh, number five on my list is Becky Lynch's SummerSlam return. Uh, I know a lot of people moment. didn't like – yeah, I know a lot of people didn't like what afterwards, not so much. Right, but her pop, the pop that she got from that arena, and, you know, fans just coming unglued was like, okay, they missed her. Yeah, I missed her too. Seeing her live and in color was perfect. And then she beat the crap out of Carmella, which was shitty because they, they shit all over Carmella, and then beat Bianca in twenty nine seconds. But I mean, I mean, I wasn't so much upset that she that they shit on Carmella. I was, I was, I was, I was more upset that they shit on Bianca because. Oh yeah, no. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of Bianca. My daughter's a fan of Bianca. My wife likes Bianca. I mean, yeah. Bianca's dislikable. She's a great athlete, so you want to see that kind of athleticism get paid off. You don't I mean, expect I, the twenty nine seconds, you know, title reign over, you know. Right, and, and I mean, I don't think that logically they were thinking, oh, just by letting Becky rip her a new one in in that amount of time, that it was going to be that was what was going to turn her heel. <laughs> I think they knew Becky was going to end up playing the heel. Because they didn't really have a strong enough heel on Raw anymore. With right. Charlotte going to, you know, Charlotte was going to be going to SmackDown and all that. They knew there was going to be a switch and everything like that. But I, I think Becky wanted to play the heel as well a little bit. But the main thing was the crowd pop was great, but then you killed it all quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which they might have been going for. Maybe they didn't want her return to be so big in in essence of the fans, but her to be as big as she is now, you know, with the way she's playing it off as big time backs and everything like that. Right. Well, I mean, this is completely off topic, but where the hell is Oscar? Right. Where is one of your top women's talent? Where's Sasha Banks? Where's Shotzi Blackheart? Where's all these women that are on the roster that right. aren't getting title shots? How did you let Tony Storm quit and walk out of the uh, for the holiday tour? Yeah, that's wild. You know what I mean? It's like they had a they had a great crop of women in NXT and on the main roster, and now they're diluted to like five people. Right. You know now now they're up to decisions like do drop versus Bianca. Right. Exactly. And unfortunately, we got to sit here and wait until somebody else comes up. So, next number, on your list, good sir. Number four on my list would be the reemergence of the demon Finn Balor. I popped to I see did. the demon on SmackDown. I did as well. And I thought, okay, now this shit with Roman's fixing to get really interesting. Right. And then they have the top rope break and then they screw it all up. <laughs> you got to explain something to me. 
I liked I liked me the demon coming back. I liked the way they what they were going. But <coughs> two things killed that for me. One, announcing Brock Lesnar getting the world the next world title shot after Reigns versus Valor, which just happened before the match even happened. Like right. you know Roman's going over now. All right. And then number two when the lights went red and Balor was out and then they started beating and the demon just sprung back up. Like, what brought him wow. back to... What, was there music? Was it the music? Was it the red light? You know, it was a little hokey. You know what I mean? Like, he's not right. Kane and The Undertaker. He's not dead. He's the demon. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I mean, at, at that point, too, it's like, is the Fiend coming back? Right, right. <laughs> what are we doing here, you know? But... But still, they played it off well. He gave Roman a run for his money, but that top rope breaking made no sense. Yeah, that was beyond stupid to me. <laughs> but I'm still I not quite sure if it broke on purpose or not. I love seeing the demon back, though. Oh yeah, me that's too. why me that's too. number four on my list. <laughs> I, 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 it's worth it's worthy being on the list because the demon coming back added to the storyline, right? You know what and- I mean. And it also, when you think Balor, you think NXT, that run as a demon was iconic. Right. Exactly. It's what got him the universal title. Just sad that he got injured, you know. So, next up on my list, um, it's not a moment per se as it happened throughout the entire year, was the forbidden door being open and seeing multiple companies work together. We've never seen, seen this before in wrestling. It was unheard of to see whether it be Kenny Omega, Christian, Jay White, one of the members of the Gorillas of Destiny, or any of these wrestlers. Everybody okay? Uh, you know, step from one company to another. Right. It was, it's, 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 it was unheard of. And now we were seeing it on a weekly basis on three or four different shows. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of a nod to things are things are changing and evolving in the in the in the world of professional wrestling. Right, right. And I kind of wonder. I mean, a lot of people kept asking, "Does that mean WWE might do this?" No, there is never going to be a time where the WWE will ever say, "Yeah, our door is wide open. Come on in." You know? <laughs> yeah, that w- that would have been like in the nineties when they toyed with some stuff like that. Right. Right, but just the, the the idea of seeing Kenny Omega with four different world titles from four different companies, and seeing all these guys pop up was brilliant. It was it it helped me become a wrestling fan again, for the better, as opposed to just watching and being bitter. And going, okay, this is I, I've seen this before. What yeah. now? I mean, it kind of had the feel of two of uh. Like the Ultimo Dragon and with him holding all those belts and the right. Jushin Liger stuff and right. I mean, it wasn't a bad idea. <laughs> nope, and I, it's still kind of going on. So I hope they they know what they're you know they're doing with it and they don't overuse it, but they use it when the time is right. Right. Um, number three on my list is. The Alexa Bliss and Fiend entrance at WrestleMania. Yes. It, yes. That was perfectly choreographed. When you see the big Jack in the box, you're like, what in the right. hell? <laughs> I mean, and the way that whole entire match there went, 
it was there was yeah it, it there were so many more payoffs we should have gotten before the fiend left or fired or whatever and right. then leaving it on Alexa Bliss and now she's nowhere to be found but that whole that whole entrance was gold when they brought out that big jack in the box and she sat there cranking it and doing it it was it was perfect yeah I, and it gave you chills almost it was like Something's fixing to happen. Something's fixing to happen. Something's fixing right. to happen. Oh, shit. <laughs> it happens. There it is. <laughs> uh, no, they, they, the Fiend and Alexa's um, dynamic together was perfect. In yeah, my opinion. I agree. They couldn't have picked nobody better <laughs> to, to pair. No, unless they would have. Um, only way they could have done it better is if they would have made somebody Sister Abigail. And even then, I don't think they would have found anybody that would have played the part right. So. No, it was uh, it was rumored at times that that was going to be Nikki Cross and stuff like right. that. Then it might have been Paige, and then they they weren't quite sure. But uh, I don't no, think, Alexa played I don't perfectly. Think they knew how to creatively make that make sense. Right, right. That's it, it's the truth, I guess, because when you think about it, he always talked to Sister Abigail as a spirit, so they would have had to have had a demonic possession in order to pay that off. But we got that with Alexa because she got possessed by the Fiend, not by Sister Abigail. All I'm going to say is holograms are not beyond happening. Right. <laughs> I mean, That's true. we have seen, <laughs> you know, Tupac holograms and stuff right. like that. So, I mean, I agree. something I agree. like that would definitely not be out of the question. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, instead of spending all that money on one Super <laughs> They can just design the hologram. Right. That's true. But Nikon's in charge now, so we won't be paying for things like that anymore. <laughs> right. Nikon, Nikon's trying to save us money, not spend any. <laughs> yeah, now Next they're the budget risk company. <laughs> Next up on my list is uh, Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole that use in AEW. Uh, seeing Adam Cole pop up the way that he did that night. Uh, after only just being on NXT a week prior, was like, holy shit, okay, this is big. You know, and he's joining the Elite, and he's back with the Young Bucks and with Kenny Omega. But then just two seconds later, holy shit, it's Daniel Bryan. Right. We knew it was coming, but we didn't know when. They weren't giving us a for sure date, you know. And now you see where Daniel Bryan is on the card. He's fighting for the world title. Which I have no problem with. I think Daniel Bryan is deserving of world title, you know, programs. If he if they give the belt to him, more power to them. I just hope they let Adam Page keep the belt for a little while longer so he can actually have a decent reign. Cole, on the other hand, it seems like they're they're starting something big for him with now Red Dragon fully being in AEW with him. So the you know, the undisputed era is there. He's with the elite as well, so I wouldn't mind seeing Cole and the uh, uh, undisputed era taking on the elite with Kenny Omega, but it, it led to them getting two big names in one shot, right? And both guys are being prominently, you know, poised to be on the card wherever and helping, so that's good, right? You know, um, next on my list is kind of similar. But okay. it's not it's not just to Cole and Danielson. It's okay. Cole, CM Punk, Danielson, 
Christian Cage, Big Show, all coming in to AEW. Decided, yeah. Those were those were feel good moments. I agree. I actually have CM Punk as my number one moment. So, <laughs> and I'll talk about it here with you because you're right. Mark Henry, even though he's only an announcer, it's a feel good moment because we're seeing him do something still in the wrestling business. Right. The Big Show being an announcer, it's a and he's had a couple of matches. You know, Christian Cage, we talked about getting that one last shot to be a big name in a company. We see what they're doing with Cole and Brian and with Punk. You know what I mean? They're they're not just putting them over young talent. They're actually using them to enhance young talent as well. Right. So. And they're getting this out of both. The new and the old talent. That's the thing. Uh, You know, MJF made a couple of criticisms during his promo against Punk that Punk is having a hard time beating wrestlers that are younger than him. And is it, you know, I don't think that, I think that's the way Punk is wrestling nowadays. He's not looking to beat somebody in two minutes. Nobody wants a squash match on AEW unless it's Wardlow or Luchasaurus fighting. We want to see an actual 10 to 15 minute match where CM Punk actually has a good match with Lee Moriarty of all people. And I mean, to be honest, though, like even with like Luchasaurus, I still wouldn't want to see a squash with him. I, no, but you get my point. I, we want to see if it's right. going to be a squash. It should be because well, Wardlow's six foot five and can beat the crap out of a two hundred pounder. Not because CM Punk just feels like being a big star and put not putting anybody over. You know? Right. So, and oh, I want to see more more stuff like we saw out of him in that uh, six man tag or whatever it was. That 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 shooting star press. Oh God. Oh yes. I don't know. That, I don't know how that man did that, but God bless him. The look on Jungle Boy's face was so organic. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck did he just do? We didn't talk about that today. He's like, I got a surprise, but you're not going to tell me what it is. Nope, just come out no. here and watch this shit. Right, right. <laughs> no, they, they've definitely had a lot of good signings, and <laughs> it's nice to see that they're cutting back on how many people they're signing lately, and they're not picking up everybody the WWE has fired, or you know, they're letting them go to other companies. And that's the, the good thing, about again, about the Forbidden Door. Just because somebody signed with, it, with Impact doesn't mean AEW can't use them. Right, you know what I mean. If you're exchanging talent anyway, yeah, you know what I mean. If you're going to exchange talent anyway, no big deal. You had Matt Cardona for five matches. Now we have him for five matches. You you want to use Punk or or Christian? Go ahead. You know, it lets everybody enjoy everything rather than just everybody being stuck in one spot. Right, and and really, it'll it'll dull down your your material if you're picking up everything that is thrown away. Right, exactly, exactly. Uh, my last one, as I mentioned, because I had CM Punk's debut as my number one, uh, and this is not the best one, you know. But it's NXT switch and downfall after becoming NXT 2.0. It's it's a moment that maybe shouldn't have happened. I understand that Vince McMahon wasn't that hot on NXT and wasn't looking to be the you know let it be the the big bigger company. But um, he's killed it, basically. And, yeah. and in the process, Triple H went for a hard problem, had a hard problem, had to have a surgery done. And, you know, there's nobody on the roster anybody remembers but Ciampa and Dunn. I, I'm going to say this about it. It's kind of like 
remember I made that statement that that maybe they're trying to make Raw and and or Raw and SmackDown the flagship shows again. Right. It's kind of like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna turn this into pretty much our developmental again, right? Again, and if you want to see the names that you really want to see, you're gonna watch Raw or SmackDown. And I get that, and I get that, and that's fine and well. But for four weeks straight, you're giving me Tony D versus Ch- uh, Andrew Chase. You know what I mean, Andre Chase. Well, I, I don't, don't care. Think that should have been the move. That, that you know what I mean. I mean, maybe Vince McMahon and them know something that we don't. I get. I mean, Harlan's been over. I like Harlan. I like Brock yeah. Lesnar. I don't like Von Wagner. I don't like uh, the Andre Chase school teacher guy. I've told you that before. Yeah, Tony D's grown on me a little bit, but yeah, you know what I mean. He's he's a skinnier Chris Winski, exactly. Yeah, you know, but I don't know. It just it seems to me that it 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 hurt something that was helping the WWE as yeah. opposed to hurting them. But I guess Vince in Vince's mind it was hurting them because they weren't beating AEW in the raw in the ratings anyway. So you know, I I could say too that it would be like him. All right, saying we're not worried about a ratings war. We'll just put whatever out there, and people are going to watch it. Whether they watch it or they don't, we're still going to put it out there. Right. Yeah, you're right about that. You are right about that. And that is something Vince would do. So give um, us your last moment of the uh, 2021, good sir. My number one moment was a feel-good moment. Okay. And it was a moment that we had talked about before it happened. And I said that it needed to happen, and that will be Hangman Page winning the <laughs> winning the world belt. Oh, yes, and I that, agree with you when you said it. That was to me. It was three years icing, in the making. The three icing years in the on making. the cake. Yep. It, it was like the build was slow. Yep. And when it reached that pinnacle, if you have been watching Hangman Page, then you popped like a child. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Omega gave him a great match. It was yes. one of Omega's finer outings that he's had in AEW. And he gave a great match back to Omega. And whether you you like either one of them, whether you like AEW, you cannot deny that a three-year slow burn for a man to become World Heavyweight Champion was the perfect thing for that company because Hangman was the first guy to walk up on that stage when they were talking about AEW and said, I'm joining AEW, I'm all in, and I will be the world, the world heavyweight champion. So. It know. might be three years later, but. Hey, prophecies take a while to come true, you know. That's right. And, he, you know, I that's why I said I hope, I'm hoping that he gets a win over Daniel Bryan, which I will be there this Wednesday night when he faces Daniel Bryan live and in color. In Newark, New Jersey, ladies and gentlemen, I will be going to my first AEW event. So, fanboy makes it. I'll be cheering and screaming. Uh, and um, I'm hoping they let him beat Daniel Bryan and move on, you know, to another opponent. Because Kenny had a one-year world title run. Moxley right. had 11 months with the world title. Jericho had eight or nine months with the world title. So, there's no reason to hot shot it off a page. Nah, don't you know, shit on him like that. That no, no. they can't. Yeah, they can't. he's a homegrown star. You can't do that to him. 
Brian exactly. could win the title down the line. He's still got a lot of time left on his on his mental clock as he sees it. So right, and I mean Brian's already Brian's having great matches without right being worried about that title. Exactly, exactly. So, all right, we are moving on to our final category of the evening: the top five wrestlers of the year. If you don't mind, I'll start us out this uh, with this one, good sir. Go ahead. And uh, the n- number five on my list is Nick Aldis. I talked about it before. Two years with the World Heavyweight title. He strapped the NWA World the world title and banner on his back and wrestled everybody and anybody from the likes of Ricky Morton to uh, D'Angelo De Niro, Tyrus, and countless others under the NWA banner. You know what I mean? And they let him roll with it. His matches with, with Cody were great. You know what I mean? Nick Aldis, in my opinion, is a great wrestler and is a deserving of any top five when you're talking about a great world heavyweight champion. I agree. Uh, I'm a fan. I, uh, I frequently play as him on Retromania Wrestling. I like that. Okay. <laughs> I have to, I've got to get that game. Uh, I don't like that they've turned to me a uh, face lately. And kind of ended the simply business uh, thing he had going on, but I think they were tired of it being reminisced to the Horseman. Right. And wanted him to break out and do his own thing for a little bit, and then they'll figure out where they're going with him next. You know. Hey, but at, at the end of the day, you're like, stay golden, Pony Boy. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Give us your number five, uh, Mister Marcus. <laughs> number five on my list is Brian Danielson. Before he left WWE, he had a great match with Roman and Edge. Yes, sir. I hate the way they they sent him out with that loss to Roman. But since coming to AEW, he's kind of reinvented himself and is having a tremendous year so far. I agree. I agree. Um, Daniel Bryanson. Um, Brian Anderson, excuse me. Um, <laughs> Daniel Bryan, Brian Anderson, whatever the hell you want to call him, the American Dragon, constantly told us when he was injured and they were making him stay retired that he had a lot more in the tank and that if they just gave him the opportunity, he toned down his style a little bit and wrestled a better style to suit him to go longer in the wrestling game. And you know what he has? Yes. He's not, he's not killing him. He's still doing those crazy moves, but he's not killing himself to do them. You know what I mean? Um, I'm seeing him have matches with guys like Evil Uno, who I've never had seen have a great match before. And Evil Uno actually did a great job with him. Colt Cabana, who's a comedy star, had a great match with Brian Danielson. You know what I mean? He brings out the best in everybody he wrestles. And when you when you can do that, you're definitely an asset to the roster. I agree. I agree. Number four on my list is Bianca Belair. Because she has been a tremendous athlete, as I talked about earlier. Someone that I think that they can actually trust. Like, for instance, if the entire women's roster were to go out today and they only had her and, so to speak, Dewdrop, she would be able to get a good match out of Dewdrop and have it every night of the week until they refill, you know, refilled in the roster. Right. You know what I mean? Good matches with Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, uh, 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 you know, uh, Sasha Banks. And Bailey, she's taken out the entire four horsewomen, if you think about it. You know what I mean? So, 
I, I think she's deserving of a spot. Yeah, she's definitely a, a force to be reckoned with. She has her moments, too, where she just, you know, when I first saw her, I'm like, okay, she's playing that cocky role that you don't go here, you know, I'm better than you, whatever. But then she backed it up in the ring, and I was like, okay, this this is good. It's not just that cocky attitude. She actually does it in the ring. Right. So let her do it. Let her do it, you know. <laughs> Uh, number four on my list is Dr. Britt Baker at DMD. DMD. She, yeah. uh, she is one of the most brutal and it doesn't matter who you, it's like Bianca Belair. It doesn't matter who you put her with. She's going to have a great match. Yep. Constantly switching up her style. Yes, and, and um, like her and her car, Ushida was an honorable mention for those matches and stuff. I mean, definitely, she's she's had a great year, oh, and it's hard, it's it's hard not to put her <coughs> in, in the top five list. Oh, definitely, I agree with you on that one. Um, you know, I've I've heard CM Punk make jokes with um, MJF during the promo battles that Britt Baker has surpassed MJF on the uh, the roster. And for the most part, she has because MJF isn't wrestling that much. You know what I mean? But the thing I love about Britt Baker is it's a different person that we saw on that first night in AEW to what we have now. You right. see a total and utter transformation from her from just being, hi, I'm a, I'm a dentist. Hi, I'm a dentist. I'm Britt Baker. I'm a dentist to being, I'm Britt Baker. I'm the bitch that runs this company. Right. You know, so that's... It's a nice change, you know, as opposed to sticking with the. I didn't like her at first. When I every day, I'm Britt Baker. I'm a dentist. I'd be like, okay, how many times do we need to know you're a dentist? <laughs> you, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, but she's kind of grew on me. Yeah, definitely, definitely. The wife thinks I have a, a crush on her, but no, <laughs> no. I I like Thunder Rosa more. So what do you mean? She's just gonna do dental work for me, <laughs> right? <laughs> she's just a dentist. <laughs> Speaking of Dunder Rosa, she is number three on my list. Uh, again, just like you mentioned with Britt Baker, it doesn't matter who you put her in the mat in a, in a match with, whether it be a tag match or a singles match. She just had a great match with Jade Cargill on Dynamite, uh, and it, yeah, it got interrupted by Mercedes Martinez, as we, we talked about a little while ago. Right. But Jade Cargill is a botch fest. I've said this before. And for some reason, she didn't botch in this match. And I guess because Thunder was leading her to the match, you know, leading her through it, keeping her calm. So anybody who could take someone who's almost killing somebody on a nightly basis to actually having what looks like a res- an actual wrestling match is great in my book. I agree. Um, but, you, you know, me and you've discussed this before. I, I, I like Cargill. I don't know why, but... I think uh, I know why, Mark. But <laughs> no, she, she, to me, she's got the AEW's kind of building her as uh, Nicole Bass slash China type. And I agree with that, yes. And she has the physique for that. Yes. And she's, she, she's an Amazon of a woman. But she needed one more month in wrestling school. Yeah. At least one oh. more month. <laughs> I mean, she might have got three out of four weeks, and then they're like, "All right, you're ready." Right? You know, they rushed. They rushed her. That's my only problem with her. But 
She's right. grown. She's grown. And I think with the added of Mercedes Martinez to their group with her and that uh, Mark Sterling, it'll help Jade in the, in the long run. Um, but yeah, Thunder Rosa has, has been a shining spot on AEW for the last year. So. I definitely agree. Um, number three on my list is Big E. Okay. Big E cashing in and, and getting the belt was a great moment. Anything he does promo wise is like, it's just, it's good to see him come out of the shell and shine by itself. I agree. I agree. Like he still acknowledges Kofi in the new day. Yeah. Every now and then, but it's good to see the spotlight be on E a little more. Right. Right. After they put it on Kofi, when Kofi won the title and, you know, Xavier and Biggie had his back the whole way, it was nice to see them going a different direction here. Yes, Kofi and, and Xavier still have his back, but Biggie's on Raw there on SmackDown, and they gave him a moment to shine and actually do something. Um, my only problem with it is that he lost more than he won after becoming champion. Right. You know, and I hate when they do that. You know, it's either... When they win the money in the bank, they lose the whole time they have the briefcase up until they cash in. Right. Or they become champion and you shit on their whole title reign. You know, and okay, it's the mandatory loss. Oh, they beat Brandy Orton, then they beat this guy, and then, oh, wait, here comes Brock Lesnar. And we, we've seen it all again. Listen, know? as long as they don't feature Endeavor, I'm fine. <laughs> right, right. That's... As long as they keep him on the roster, he's got an opportunity to become champion. Right, again. because, I mean, now now that – well, ah, damn, I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> no, I know. I know. We won't spoil it. But now with everything going on, there is an opportunity for Brock and him to either have a match next or, you know, whatever they're going to do. Or a New Day reunion. Right. That too. That too. Damn, New Day versus the Bloodline would be fantastic. Yes. That would work, but just gotta wait and see for that one. Vince <laughs> might hear you. <laughs> yeah. Number two on my list, the, the, my fourth entry, but my second uh, on my list is MJF. And I know I mentioned he doesn't wrestle a whole lot, but this guy does it on the mic that even if he doesn't step foot in the ring, he gets the fans calling for his carcass and, you know, screaming for him for blood and. You know what I mean? His, his, his attitude against Sting and Darby Allen, his attitude against CM Punk, his, he's become the Dynamite Diamond Ring winner three years in a row, which I think is kind of overdone. It's a little overkill. <laughs> but It's like, but, uh, what, at what point do we quit having this because it's obvious right. we're going to let MJF be the winner? Right, you know. But I'll be honest, if if they were to in this next year, hot shot him to be a world heavyweight champion, I would have no problem with it. Right. I would be behind it because he deserves it. Yeah, and what's ironic about that is he is number two on my list. Okay, okay, so we're in sync there. <laughs> we are in sync. He is, number, he is number two on my list. Uh, Promo-wise, ring psychology-wise, in-ring work-wise, he is top-notch. I watched him in MLW before AEW started, and he was with a group called the um, the I don't the, they were like an aristocratic group or something like that. And he's fighting Mance Warner in a death match. 
So they're doing their promos before the death match. I love Mance Warner. He's like a cross between the Bushwhackers and Stone Cold Steve Austin for me. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like a crazy, crazy mashup. But like Bushwhackers when they were Bushwhackers or the Sheep Herders? Like sheep Herders. Like Sheep Herders when they were badass. <laughs> and Mance Warner obviously says, you were born with a golden spoon in your mouth, boy, and you're, you're, you know, you wake up every morning with fresh coffee. And I'm lucky if I wake up in, in a bed. And then, So then MJF's retort to that is, you're doing what people have been doing to me all my life. You think just because I had a better life, that means that I'm a better person. No, it doesn't matter that I've had a better life. You're those like those kids in the schoolyard that used to look at me and, this is him saying it, hey, Jew boy, what did you bring for lunch today? Is it you got sushi? You got a you got a steak? You got lobster? And they didn't understand. I just wanted to be accepted. But now, I can say, and it's not about my lifestyle, that I am better than you because I have made myself better than you. And hearing him say that, you know, you know, MLW still being an indie in so, so many ways, like this dude is literally getting over. Yeah. And there's like forty people watching. But then he stepped into AEW, and he still got over even more so because he laid the groundwork coming to AEW. You know, when he makes the joke that the the, the bidding war of 2024, the WWE is going to try to grab him. If they don't. Right. You know, so if they don't grab him, shame on them. They're going to throw a ridiculously large number out there at him, too. Yep. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, and he'd be he'd be a fool not to accept it unless Tony Khan matches it. Yeah, because he's got car blanche in AEW, but something he also, won't have in WWF. Right, that's what I was about to say. Also, the, you know, the creative freedom that AEW right. allows their talent to have is a lot better for business. Miles and miles, exactly, exactly. It's a different. It you know. It used to be when it was the smaller companies trying to come up, small, big fish, small pond, coming to a big pond, you hear a small fish again. No, he's a big fish in a big pond there in AEW. So what's the real switch and going to the WWF, WWE? If the money stays the same, what's the difference? Well, I, yeah. I hear people predicting all the time who's going to be the uh, first superstar to jump from AEW to the WWE. Right. Some people have said Cody, which I don't see. Nope. Nope. Not going to happen. Some people have said Omega, which I don't see. No. I mean, the only... Some are saying Brian Cage. Because Brian Cage ain't being used the right way. Yeah, it could happen. But then what the hell is WWE going to do to him? Use him like a a Mason Ryan or something? Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, so. they only know how to do so much with big guys. That's just yep. my opinion. The thing of it is, is that if somebody does leave AEW, they don't have to go to the WWE. That's the good part about it nowadays. Right. You have so many other companies to wrestle for. And then, like happens with WWE, like with Drew McIntyre, he left, he went around the world, he went to Impact, and then he came back to the WWE. If a wrestler leaves AEW and goes around the world and wrestles, AEW catches sight of that, they might offer him more money to come back. Right. So, you know, it goes without saying, you don't have to go to the WWE anymore if you don't feel like you're going to be used correctly. I feel like, though, if MJF were to go to WWE, he wouldn't be used right. No. 
he'd be a watered down version of the Miz. Right. Or they'd put him with the Miz and then have them feud. And in 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 all in in, in all for all intents and purposes, he'd probably put the Miz over. Right. You know, which would suck. Yeah. So it, it wouldn't be believable. That's for damn sure. No, no one. I mean, on the mic, they'd probably go pretty well together until MJF hit a knockout blow. But in the <laughs> ring, I would I would put MJF MJF over the Miz every day of the week. Yeah, you know? I mean, not to, not to discount the Miz because the no, Miz no. some sense, but right, he's no MJF. I agree. So that brings me uh-huh. to my number one. We might be on the same page here again. My number one is the Tribal Chief Roman Reigns, and we are on the exactly the same page. Well, I'm cannot, gonna let you go first. You cannot say that Roman had a bad year at all with him being on top the whole year. The whole year. I mean, for a man to do that is you can't do nothing but acknowledge him. <laughs> exactly. The last guy <coughs> that reinvented themselves from being the funny, cartoony face to being a monstrous heel like this was his cousin, The Rock. He exactly. went from being the Wayne job to being Rocky Maivia, love me, I'm the blue chipper, to shut your mouth. You know, people's champ. Know your and role. Over. Know your role. <laughs> in the same regard, now you got Roman doing the same thing, but only in his own words. Mm-hmm. He's beaten everybody on the roster, which includes guys like Drew McIntyre, Big E, Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, Brock Lesnar, Goldberg. You name it, he's gotten a win over every one of these guys. He right. beat Braun Strowman in the feet to get to the world title, and he hasn't looked back since. I don't like that they've taken Paul Heyman away from him. Uh, I but, do. Well, I mean, it's just, I like Paul Heyman on TV. Yeah, but, but Roman can talk for himself, though. That's what I was saying. As far as ability to work the mic, Roman has it. He doesn't need somebody to boost him, right? And say, you know, well, here's my client. I'm I'm his special. <laughs> client. Which I right. mean, it'd be great to see Heyman. Come back, align with Brock and low blow Roman to put Brock over. I mean, just right. saying that right. would be that right. would be a feel good moment and a and a finally, you know. Right, right. So, but no, Roman Reigns has had the uh, the banner year that so many wrestlers have tried to have over the last few years since COVID happened and everything else going on. And to be honest with you, he's the the mainstay. Even during Drew McIntyre's year of being the world champion, losing it, whatever, he had a couple of faults. You know right. what I mean? Bobby Lashley had a decent world title run, but it couldn't compare to what Roman was doing on SmackDown. Exactly. So, And like he said, he's made it the A-show. He has. Again, because, which is what, you know. You want to tune in to see what, what's going to happen with him. Right. Right. So, well, that is it for our list. Do you oh, have anything you'd like to say before we yeah, yeah, go right? I'm, we weren't ending anything. I was just okay, okay. saying that was the end of our list. I'm going to say this is the honorable mentions. Okay. Adam Page has had a great year. Who? Adam Page. Yes. Jurassic Express. Oh, definitely. 
Adam Cole. Baby. CM Punk. <laughs> Darby Baby. Allen. The Young Bucks. FTR. Kenny Omega. Edge. And Bianca Belair. So honorable mention to the entire AEW roster except for Edge and Bianca Miller. No, I'm just playing. No, I agree with you on I agree with you on all of that. There were a lot of great wrestlers, both men and women, who put on shows every night of the week. And it didn't matter if it was Rampage or NXT or SmackDown or Raw or Dynamite. And I'll say this AEW is starting to grow on me. Slowly. Well I'm happy to hear that. Slowly, but it's starting to grow on me. Well, I will tell you this. I have been able to make it through Raw and SmackDown a lot more lately. It's become a little more bearable. AEW is be- uh, NXT has become a chore. I'm falling asleep on it again. Like, it took me three days to watch the last episode of NXT. Oof. Yeah. So. I don't That's know. And the, main event didn't, the main event wasn't all that great, but whatever. But we'll have to see what uh, New Year's Evil brings this week. All right. So. So, uh, as I said, uh, I will be at Wednesday night's taping for AEW Dynamite and um, Rampage. This is their move to uh, TBS for Dynamite, uh, where I will be seeing Adam Page versus Brian Danielson for the world title. The world tag team title match between Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy and the Lucha Brothers. And tell the me TBS gonna, title. Tell me you're going to wear some ludicrous shirt so I can spot you on TV. I'm going to have my uh, CM Punk shirt on the cult of personality uh bullet club shirt you all right so, you gotta make some kind of ludicrous sign i'll try i'll try if, <laughs> if you smell what the arch is cooking that yeah i'm thinking about it i'm thinking about that one do it do it we'll put it over <laughs> on <TV. laughs> so uh but uh this coming uh, probably this weekend we will record talking about raw smackdown nxt uh aew uh and everything else going on we hope to have our special guest uh, AK with us uh, as well on next week's show. Uh, we'll talk a little more about Mark's upcoming indie show in March. Um, any parting words, my friend? Anything you'd like to say to the folks at home? Let's hope that 2020 U2022 is even more phenomenal than 2021 has been. Amen to that. And I, I don't that. that in the sense of AJ Styles. <laughs> well, <laughs> he is phenomenal again. Yes, he is phenomenal yeah. again. He's not with Omos. He he's putting on great matches, but he's not my favorite. But I understand. I understand. He's not my favorite figure. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why? I mean, you only have fourteen hundred. Right. I have them all, every color. <laughs> a couple of customs where I wanted I wanted the colors my way. Uh, all I will say to wrestling fans in 2022, forget certain keywords that you know about the wrestling business, the insider words. Not everybody is green. Not everybody is being buried. Not everybody is botching. I know I use that word a lot. I'm going to say my resolution for this year is to not say that people are botching so much. Um, you know. You, you, we all know way too much about the ins and outs of the wrestling business that we didn't know in the 90s. You know, we got our wrestling uh, rumors and all our, our insider info from PWI, PWI Magazine and 
the wrestler and insider wrestling and, and things like that. Once a month, we'd read our magazine, you know, before the internet was even a thing. We didn't know who was too, you know, soft and didn't know how to do certain things in the ring and wasn't, you know, up to par yet. We only watched and we'd, we'd either boo or we'd cheer. You know? I remember yearly buying the Almanac. Yep. <laughs> the Almanac was the best thing in the world. You'd sit there and read it from cover to cover, going, okay, who did the, what on the Indies? Who did this? Who, who was the world champion in 1981? They need to bring that back. They do. They do. I agree. I had like five of them. And I never understood why I'd buy a new one because I, I understood why I'd buy the new one. I never understood why I kept the old one because the new right. one would have everything the old one had plus the new stuff. Right. <laughs> but I had like 10 of them sitting in a bookshelf and like every now and then I would just pick one and just, you know. Yeah. But I like mean, I said, it, lead. It's yeah. not like the farmer's almanac though. Like, right. where, like they got a, a prediction of a card and who might win. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> But as I was saying, let go of those buzzwords and just watch wrestling as a fan. And if you don't like the show you're watching, change the channel to something you do like. If you're right. not liking anything current, get on the internet. <laughs> right. Watch something from the inter from the indies. And if you're not liking anything current or modern, go on the WWE network or on Impact Plus or somewhere or else and watch Peacock. wrestling. Peacock, not the network. <laughs> Peacock, right. I didn't want to say Peacock. But yes, go on Peacock or on one of the, the, there's a million streaming sites. Watch an old wrestling show. Enjoy it for what it is and not for what you want it to be. Because I'm going to tell you guys now, wrestling will never be what everybody wants it to be. No. If it but, did, they wouldn't be making any money. But by doing that, they can rekindle that flame. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for joining us for the first show of 2022 thank you to mark brew for joining me as always and as being always. my partner in crime thank you to nate maxon for giving us this platform to do this on continue to support we can't wrestle podcast and the um the um rest of the shows such as the we can't wrestle podcast um reliving the extreme uh maximum gold um slice of time the year that was and this show and i'll see you next time on if you smell, Arch is whirling. <laughs>